0: time he is good when i announced who our special speaker would be here today there was a shout of joy dion and Laisha maeda came to us six about six and a half years ago to go to north point bible college they arrived from hilo hawaii in january i knew that had to be god and we watched Laisha Le- learn how to start to wear socks and understand how to dress in a New England winter. But from the very beginning, they endeared themselves to us. The first time we met them, we took them out for lunch that day. And when I heard that he had a construction business in Hawaii, I said, God sent you to us. You're going to build us a church. Come on, Dion. Come on. And what was and what was your reaction? My
1: response was, "This lady."
0: <laughs> and in the car going back to ch- to school, you told, me that we're "Not going back there."
1: Well, on our way back to the um, the school, we we looked at each other. I told Alicia, "I said, I don't think we're ever going back to that church there. <laughs> I think the pastor's a little crazy." <laughs>
0: That seems to be a theme word with me. (laughs) Anyway, you got to be crazy to follow God. (laughs) Anyway, but God had everything lined up for us. And so the Lord hit him overhead with a soft hammer, didn't knock him out, but they came back. And so they were here with us interning as students at North Point Bible College. And at that time, they began to work with our youth. And so when it was time to graduate, we invited Dion to come on as our youth pastor and Leisha to be in our office. And it was during that time that our district found out how wonderful Dion is, and they asked him to be the sectional youth director, or the youth rep. And so uh, he took on that, and he served on the Weymouth Youth Board and became very involved in the community. During that time, his pastor in Hilo, Hawaii, passed away. And um, that's the church that Dion Laisha had been there since the age of six or something. And the church uh, issued a call to them to come home and pastor their home church. Wow. And we hated to say goodbye, but we knew that the church in Hilo needed them. And so since they've been there... You've changed the name of the church to Connect Point Church. Tell us a little about, it's uh, It's booming, it's growing, it's probably a little bit, maybe a little bit bigger than we are now, and then recently you had that crisis with the volcano and the lava flowing down into almost Hilo, and what was your church able to do? Are you going to include that in your message?
1: Praise God. We have to say that when we went back home to our home church, the church was... Uh, down to about fifty people, it was in disrepair, and they're considering closing the doors of the church. And I think Leisha and I coming to Crossroads was—we were here just such an in- instrument of time, not just for Crossroads, but also what Pastor Karen and the church did for us, preparing us to go back home. And uh, we went back home, and year over year, the churches continued to grow from fifty to a hundred and one fifty-two. And up close to 300 now. We just hit 420 the one Sunday, the other week. And uh, even greater than the numbers, I think, are the health of the church. Watching marriages be healed and whole. Watching people get involved in the life of the church. People discovering their gifts. And uh, when the lava hit, uh, there was about 700 homes that were lost last year. And about 1,250 uh, individuals and families that were displaced. And actually our attorney um for hawaii from the county came forward and asked if i would lead the faith community so there's about 50 churches and uh we led the uh charge it wasn't the state it wasn't the county it was the people of faith that stepped up to the plate and uh we led in over 15 areas to respond i think we served close to 60,000 meals uh to the community in their time of crisis uh, Housing was in such a shortage, and um, I felt like the Lord put it on our heart to say, you got to do something. So we ended up building 11 uh, micro homes for those who are in need, and um, it just, I guess maybe the craziness maybe rubbed off maybe on me a little, and really maybe the craziness really is faith, the crazy faith, and um, you know, when God put that on our heart, I said, God, how are we going to raise $170,000? And um, and we had to build it very quickly, and it felt like the Lord nudge me and says, "You just ask, you let me speak to the people's hearts." And on that one Sunday, we raised sixty thousand from our church alone, and our community surrounded us. We raised another hundred ten thousand, and in four months, we built all eleven housing units and moved families in in a matter of four months. And um, yeah. praise God for that. So we rejoice.
0: The story is still being written. So we feel we have family in, Ho- in Hilo, Hawaii, and we do. This is this we have such heart connection. Since you've gone back, God has blessed you abundantly with a beautiful little boy, Chayson. He's now 3 years old. You'll see him later. He joined our Brazilian choir rehearsal the other night. He he de- I mean he he'll go wherever whoever's doing whatever. He's a beautiful little boy, and we're so thrilled that God's done that for you. But Dion, come and just bring a message. I know I've said, keep it short. Turn to your neighbor and say, pray for that. No, (laughs) (laughs) But we are so blessed to have you. If it was not for Dion coming when he did, we would not be where we are today in this building. He brought that construction.
1: (laughs) Praise God. Before I get started, I I just wanted to bring my wife up really quick because uh, I wouldn't be here without her. So how would you just greet the people, say hello?
2: Aloha. Yes, you did it correctly. Usually when we say aloha to people, they respond back or they don't. But aloha means welcome and just hello. So hello, greetings from Hilo, Hawaii, from Connect Point Church in Hilo, Uh, Our hearts are so grateful that we get to be here for this celebration time. As Pastor Dion had mentioned, this has been a foundation for us, one of our foundations for us starting in ministry. And if it hadn't been for Pastor Karen, your pastor here, and for this entire church um, helping us through our process. and helping us to grow us, we wouldn't be where we are today. And so all honor and due to God, but thank God that there is a crazy woman that lives in Weymouth <laughs> or pastors, a church in Weymouth that influenced our lives. And we're, we, we will forever be grateful for the times and the moments that we've been under your ministry and under this church and have been able to learn such great things. And so now that we are able to take it into the church in Hilo, Hawaii, you all will, will play a huge part in our hearts in helo and so we're so grateful honored to be back here thank you so much for welcoming us as family because we are
1: thank you. Amen. can you hear me all right well first of all I want to say uh congratulations to everyone so give yourselves a hand because pastor karen and the leadership couldn't do it without you and we're so great grateful to be uh asked to come back and uh, preach and share this message and all right you ready for the word yes. amen are you really ready yes. okay here we go well one of the greatest forms of communicating all throughout history has been the art of telling a story telling a story out of all those who told stories Jesus was the master storyteller. teller In fact, the Bible shows that Jesus' favorite form of speaking to crowds was through the form of storytelling. The whole Bible is a collection of stories and narratives written over a period of 2,000 years by 40 authors on three continents in three different languages, yet the story is consistent and clear. No matter how many times people try to disprove the Word of God, try to pick it apart, It's just proven itself to be more true, more real, that we can stand on the Word of God. Amen? title of my message today is The Power of a Story. The Power of a Story. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them you have a story. Here at Crossroads Worship Center, we're actually living a continued story of God's power, his grace, and miracles right here at this church. And God called uh, Pastor Karen aka the crazy woman <laughs> to plant this church 15 years ago. What started off with a handful of people in their living room is now grown to be this. It's part of the story of the church. I remember hearing our former mayor, Sue Kay, right here in Weymouth, expressing how grateful she was that Crossroads was right here in the community of Weymouth, that they're literally making a difference, and she was forever grateful. We all have a story, but what good is a story if the story isn't being told? This leads to my first point, everyone must tell the story everyone must tell the story turn if you got your bibles joshua chapter 4 verses 4 to 7 joshua chapter 4 verses 4 to 7 we all play a part in telling the story let me give you some background to this scripture before we jump in moses who's one of the greatest leaders not just in the old testament but probably for all time he's leading the people and he's Grown up in Pharaoh's household, the finest of educations, probably the finest things afforded to him in life. And I think it's interesting at this burning bush moment, you know, here he is probably 80 years old, 40 years, he goes 40 years in the backside of the desert, he's 80 years old, has this encounter with the Lord and God calls him to lead the people and he feels like he's inadequate, not able to lead the people. How many of you ever felt that way in life? Sometimes you just feel a little inadequate. And yet, Moses was well equipped. In fact, there was probably nobody else fitted more perfectly for this moment to lead the people. He leads the Israelites from bondage and slavery in Egypt, and they're headed to the promised land, but they spend 40 years stuck in the desert. 40 years stuck in the desert. At this time, Moses dies. God appoints and anoints Joshua, who was Moses' assistant. And God tells Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Do not be afraid. Don't be dismayed. So there's this passing on of leadership from Moses to Joshua. So let's pick up in this verse. Joshua chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. So Joshua called Together, the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, he said to them, go over from before the ark of the Lord, uh, your God, in the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean, tell them that the flow of Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when he crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So catch this picture. Moses handed it off. It's now God appoints Joshua. They part the Jordan. They cross over. They take these stones, stack it up, 12 big stones, and it's to be a memorial or a reminder or a to tell the story again to the next generation. See, it's important that you and I continue to tell the story of what God is doing here. Telling to all those new people who've come. I watched that not everyone raised their hands and weren't here from the beginning, and it's important to those who had been here Says. You know, I got to tell you of what it was like growing up here and what God did for us. It's important that the next generation knows the story of what God has done here at Crossroads. This is the power of a story. The story of what God has done right here. I think about that watching the pictures that from a living room to a cold gym moving over to Honey Baked Ham, and while we're all there and outgrowing that space and watching God just begin to do miracle after miracle. And there's something that we need to do about remembering and recounting and keep retelling the story of what God has done in the past. Don't be afraid to tell the story to your children and your children's children, for everyone must hear the story there is power in the story and everyone must tell and do their part it's not about being prideful or arrogant but it's about boasting in what god was able to do don't think for a moment it's about boasting or an arrogance or pride or anyone taking credit from the very start i've so gleaned and watched pastor karen and her leadership that it's always been about what god and what he's able to do Just like those words, If we provide the bread, he'll take care of the bricks. And you're watching the bricks here of all what God did. It's a miracle story. Secondly, every story will have battles. Every story will have battles. Moses, Joshua, and the children of Israel was promised the land flowing with milk and honey. The journey to the promised land should have only taken... 11 days. Get that, wrap your mind around that, right? Just for a moment. The journey should have taken them but 11 days. Said the people, because of their murmuring and complaining and grumbling and rebellion and arrogance, took them 40 years wandering in the desert. Can I encourage you never to let that grumbling settle in your heart, that complaining, that complacency, that 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 place in our hearts where we begin looking and, and getting, saying, man, I, you start complaining and you start nitpicking, and if you're not careful, the enemy begins to creep in, even in the church. Don't allow that for a moment. Don't allow arrogance to take you further than you should go. And I think what's interesting is that Because of their murmuring, grumbling, and complaining, they all should have got there earlier, but it affected everyone. If I can encourage you as a church, stay praying for your pastor. Stay supporting that leadership in humbleness, not in arrogance, but saying, where is that next step? What do you have for us to do? What do you see? We're willing to follow you, lest you take 40 years. It could be done in 11 days. Joshua on their way to... possess the promised land had to face many battles. In fact, he faced 13 battles on the way to the promised land. I think oftentimes many of us are quick to run and say we want the promise, we want the glory but none of us want to face the battles. The battles are a part of the promise. In order to get there, we got to face the battles head on. Part of what my fear or worry in the church in general is that I think we've forgotten how to fight in the church. I think if we're not careful, we turn into this soft church like the culture who's hurt and offended by every word that's spoken. And if we're not careful, I think we turn ourselves instead of the power of the gospel. That causes us, the, the Holy Ghost deep in, inside of us, that dunamis power that spring forth out of us, that power. If we're not careful, we reduce it down in the church and we turn into a soft church. God's called you and I to take the land. He said the harvest is ripe. Labors are few. He's just waiting for people. The harvest right outside the doors of this church is ripe. Waiting for the picking. He's just waiting for laborers. If we're not careful, we turn to PC and politically correct. and In truth, the gospel will be an offense to some. It may not go over well to some, but we got to still preach and live the gospel. Somebody shout amen. God's not called a bunch of sissies. He's called a bunch of soldiers. Oh, we got any soldiers in the house? Not called us to be sissies where we step back and we play the second fiddle. And and God's called us to be overcomers. He called us to possess the land. It's already yours. You just got to step out and possess it. The devil's playing for keeps. The children of God aren't going to obtain the promises. We better look out because the enemy is already at work. People's selfishness already at work. I often say this to our church, and it may not be the nicest words, but I say, "Suck it up, Buttercup." <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the complaints. Many times we're complaining and grumbling and we're nitpicking at each other because we've lost focus on the vision of what God's called us to. We lost focus where God's called us to. I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the last time I remember about Crossroads that it wasn't just to be in a building, but God would begin to plant churches out of this church. Let's not forget what God called us to as Crossroads. Stay focused on the vision. I see today many people who love to shout the victory, but not willing to face the battles. Every story will have battles. I almost change my mindset when I when I go into. And I just I just expect the battle to come. So instead of saying, "Oh no, what now? Oh no, here we go." Phoning, ringing again. I say, "Bring it on!" <laughs> what what else? devil is that? All you got? You think you're gonna take down our church and the people? Bring it on. I got resurrection power living within me. Resurrection power living within you and I. I think we take for granted the power that resides within us. When the church got this property, it was a battle. I'll never forget that, that the battle started before we ever got this property at Crossroads praying and fasting and believing and raising funds for a building that we could not see and willing to give money that we didn't have to something else that God would in turn provide the bricks it was a battle go into the promise that God has promised you and expect a fight don't be afraid put on that whole armor of God we're in a fight and a war I tell tell uh, my church, I tell them this, I say, we're not on a cruise ship, we're on a battleship. A cruise ship mentality is, I come to the church, you're going to serve me, I've been on two cruise ships, I got the pounds to prove it, okay? (laughs) I put on way too much pounds on a cruise ship, what can you do for me? I'm here to be served. And the mentality when we come to church, as I tell my church, I say, you're not on a cruise ship, we're on a battleship. Every person on a battleship has a place, has a gift, has something to bring, and not one person on the battleship isn't important. Man your battle stations. Your pastor and this leadership needs you in your place, full of the Holy Ghost. Prayed up for what God has up ahead for this church, because He ain't done yet. Everyone must tell their story. Every story will have battles. But lastly, we got to turn the chapter and write the next chapter or story in the book. We got to turn the page. Judges chapter 2 verses 7 through 8. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years old. So get this picture, 110 years old. Pastor Karen may live to 110. Hallelujah. Right? If God can call Moses at 80, you guys still got a lot of miles on you still. You never know what God has ahead of you. So catch this picture. Joshua... Gets handed this leadership, him and the people experience the miracles one after another, 13 battles, and they watch God come through for them. And if we're not careful, we can get comfortable. We can park in our successes and get too comfortable, but I want you to see this picture of uh, how quickly the tides can change when we park in our comfortableness. Watch how quickly this changes judges chapter 2 verses 10 through 15 after the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors another generation grew up who knew neither the lord nor what he had done for israel this is why it's important to tell the story to our children and our children's children that when they come through the doors of this church they know they're standing in a miracle Verse 11, then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the people around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him. They served the Baals and the Ashtoreths, and in the anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of the raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of the enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. Just said he had sworn to them, they were in great distress. So I want you to catch this picture, Joshua and the elders, those who serve. Those of you who've seen the miracles, you've been a part of this church and Watch the miracles of God. If we let go of the reins, but for a moment, the next generation, what they were doing was the idol worships had so turned far away from the Lord if we let go. The children began to offer sacrifices to Baal, and Baal was this big idol. In the middle of the idol, there was this flame going up the center, and out the mount was breathing fire, and his hands were stretched out. And and they would walk up this hill, and they would place their own children on the arms of Baal and watch their babies roll into the mouth and burn to death. But so that they didn't have to hear the screams of their own children. They would be banging tambourines and singing and playing music to drown out the screams. In one generation who hadn't experienced the presence and the power of God for themselves had so turned far away. I don't know if you look around, but uh, I'm also privileged to be the Distribute Director for the state of Hawaii. And I have not just high concern, it brings me and drives me to my knees that if this generation does not experience the power and presence of God, we're not too far off. Babies are already being killed and sacrificed, and it's legally okay. How calloused have we got? How far have we come when our hearts aren't tenderized by the Holy Spirit? See, their parents and grandparents experience the power and presence of God, serve God all their lives, but their children didn't experience it for themselves. And in one generation, they're sacrificing their own children. And while I struggled with it, I said, Lord, I said, let me preach another message, Lord. I don't even like to preach this and step on toes. He said, just preach it. And and it's an encouragement but also a caution at the same time to keep steering that ship head-on in the wind. Keep confronting the issues that confront our cultures head-on. I want to encourage you at Crossroads Worship Center. It's not necessarily it is a prophetic message, but I believe something that God put on my heart to keep seeking and pursuing the presence of the Almighty God. It's not enough that our children and children's children tell the stories of what we've seen or our grandparents have seen and God do. They must for themselves experience the power and presence of God. If They do not experience the power and presence of God. I'm watching this in this generation. I'm talking even in Hawaii. How they're quickly turning away. Conscience so seared. Doing things they never dreamed or thought possible. So I want to encourage you to press into what God has for this church. Fifteen years, we turned a chapter in Crossroads history. God, we thank you for all that you've done, but God, begin a new work here at Crossroads. You're not done writing the story of this church. You're not done, Lord. So let there be fresh life, fresh anointing, fresh presence of God that this next generation can see and experience God for themselves. I believe the best days of this church are still ahead of you. And I don't just say it casually, but I can tell you this, you can't fit it all in here. You can't. There are too many giftings in this church. Leadership abilities, dreams in this church that God put on you that's connected to the vision of what God wants to do at Crossroads. God ain't done yet, and this building can't fit it all. This is just the beginning of what God is wanting to do. Wrote here, you ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) I want to close my message with a story and this charge to you. Dr. Bob Moorhead wrote this story about a young man in Africa in 1980. This young man from Rwanda was forced by his tribe to either renounce Christ or face a certain death. He refused to renounce Christ, and he was killed on the spot. But the night before he was killed, he wrote out a commitment to the Lord, which they later found in his room. And my prayer and heart is that as I close this message, that this would literally be a creed for this church as you guys step into the next chapter in the next season in the story of Crossroads Worship Center. He writes this letter the night before he's martyred for the faith. He said, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I will look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living. Sight walking, smooth knees and colorless dreams. Tame visions and worldly cheap talking and cheap giving. I'm tired of dwarf goals. My face is set, my gait is fast. My goal is heaven, my road is narrow. The way is rough, my companions are few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I must go till he comes. I must give till I drop. I must preach until all knows. Work until he stops me. And when he comes for me, his own, he will have no trouble recognizing me because my banner will have been clear. I pray that you would renew a resolve in your heart this 15-year anniversary, a commitment to him most of all, not just to leadership because when we commit to leadership, we can waver for a moment, but when we're committed to the Almighty God, God, come hell or high water, whether I get paid or not paid, whether someone appreciates me or not appreciate me, Lord, I'm doing it unto you. God, use me. Have your way in me. I believe the greatest days of the church are yet ahead. God wants to use you. As you turn the page in the chapter of Crossroads Worship Center, I believe your names are written in there if you will choose to be a part of the story. Will your name be a part of the story of Crossroads? Will you choose to continue to let God use you? If I can encourage you, don't get into like the Israelites who murmured or complained or was arrogant, but in humbleness saying, Pastor Karen, where are we going? What are we doing? How can I help? How can I lift up? How can I pray? What do do we need? We need to give. Here here we go. I'm going to give. The greatest days are ahead of this church. We keep the right heart, the right attitude. I believe this is just a turning in the page and the greatest story of Crossroads is just ahead. So we rejoice and we thank. I want you all to stand. I want to pray in closing. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you're still enough for us. You're still enough for us, Lord. Lord, we thank you and we rejoice for what you have done for Crossroads in 15 years. We thank you, Lord, for Pastor Karen and Frank and their faithfulness to the call of God here in Weymouth. We thank you, Lord, for their sacrifices that they've made to further and advance the kingdom of God. We pray, Lord, for the leadership in this church, Lord, that they would pull together in one accord, one heart, one mind for what you have ahead, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would put a burden on people's heart to pray for this church and pray for their pastor. Lord, we pray that people would step into their giftings and callings that you have in their hearts, Lord God. Lord, we surrender to you, God. Lord, help us to tell the story of what you're doing here at Crossroads. Help us, Lord, to turn the page in the book and get involved in the next chapter of what you're going to do. God, we give you all the praise, all the glory, because it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you.